Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Kylie. Thanks, Rachel. Glad to be here. Love talking about this. Same. Me too. It's so interesting because you and I have been connected professionally, not closely, but we've kind of, you know, had a few conversations here and there. And then this topic is what really brought us together today, which is why I love talking about it because you find all these people that have also had similar experience to you. And it just is an immediate connection point, which I love. So I would just love to start with kind of tell us how you got here today, why you reached out and said, you know, I'd love to be a guest on your podcast because I have a story to tell. Yeah. I think it's important for us to normalize the healthy side of not drinking instead of the societal norms that exist today where majority of people drink. I looked up the other day, I was Googling for a LinkedIn post and I'm like, I wonder how many Americans actually do drink. 65% of Americans of age drink, which is scary to me that the majority of people, I'm a minority, not drinking. And it's scary to me that we do this thing that puts poison in our body and we do it without question. Or if we question it, we normalize it because everybody's doing it. Right. (laughs) So I think it's important for us to talk about the other side of this, which is not drinking because it is healthier for you. Like you're not going to find anything to support drinking is healthy. They've poked holes in that theory that you should drink a glass of red wine a day for your heart health. Like, no, that came from somebody who was paying for wine to be sold. So, right. And I've yeah. also heard somebody say actually drinking a glass of blueberry juice would give you more benefits, more antioxidants, because that was exactly. the argument was it was antioxidants. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it's important for us to talk about the upside of this. And I don't want to shame anybody who does drink because that was me two years ago. And there was a point where I said to a coworker who was starting the 75 hard challenge. um, And I said, well, there's no way I couldn't drink. Like that would be the hardest part of that challenge is not drinking for 75 days. And I said, there's no way I could, I could give up alcohol. Like my birthday is coming up Christmas. You got the holidays. Like, how are you supposed to get through family time without drinking? I, I don't know about anybody else, but like to me, it was much easier if I had some some liquid courage to get me through the holidays. And, um, you know, it's just several reasons why I kept saying, like, that's not me. I'm drinking is cool and I'm fine with it and I'm OK drinking and I could never give it up. And then more and more I started to um, question whether or not I had a problem. And it finally came down to, well, if I don't have a problem, then why can't I just give it up? Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I did once um give up alcohol for Lent. I'm not a super practicing Catholic. I'm more of a Christian or non-denominational believer. But um, I remember during Lent, I came up with several excuses as to why it was okay for me to drink on Sunday because it was God's day and I deserved a break. So I couldn't even go 40 some days without drinking. 
in previous years. So I, I really took a hard look in the mirror and was like, do I have a problem? And then I would go back and forth. I literally would have a conversation in my head about this. And, you know, I'd bring up all these instances where alcohol made me do something like uncharacteristically dumb or just make terrible decisions that could have put my life in serious danger. I mean, I never hit a rock bottom because I got lucky, you know, like drunk driving probably should have gotten a few DUIs and, um, you know, thank God I didn't and never got into an accident or hurt anybody, but I made some terrible decisions in the past and throughout college that, you know, if I could do over, I totally would. And if I go back to what made me do it, a hundred percent of the time it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I had to just take a, a hard look in the mirror and say, is, is this really aligning with where I want to be as a human? Is this, is this helping me achieve my goals? And every time it was no, this is, this is not getting me closer to where I want to be and helping me achieve my goals. And in fact, it's actually doing the opposite. It's holding me back because if I say I want to be a healthy, fit person and I wake up on Saturday morning hungover and I signed up for 8.30 a.m. yoga and I can't get my butt into a yoga room because the thought of me trying to do these poses while feeling as shitty as I felt, like it made me want to puke just thinking about it. So I'll pay the $20 fee to to no-show for the yoga class and be hungover and lay in my bed and you know, then you got to eat junk food because you have to soak up the alcohol because that's not an actual thing, but we believe it is. <laughs> and so then I'm not, not only not working out, but I'm also eating like shit. And it was enough of those, like just small things that made me say, okay, this is actually impacting my life. This is impacting my life in a way I don't like. And the only way for me to know that I have a problem or I don't have a problem is to get rid of it and see what happens. And so one day, um, it was July 7th after, uh, I partied a little too hard for July 4th weekend celebrating America's birthday. Um, I was pretty hungover and had to drive back to Indy, um, from being away for the weekend. And, um, I was like, I'm done. I just, I I've had enough. I don't want to feel this feeling. I feel like I'm totally out of control of my body right now. I can't make my body better. There's nothing I can do. Water doesn't help. No medicine is going to help get rid of this hangover. I literally have to just sit in this misery and there's nothing I can do. I'm sick of it. And so I said to myself, I have to do something different and I don't know what else to do other than just to quit cold Turkey and see how long I can go. So I said, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop and I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm, I'm committed to making myself a better person right now. And this is the one thing that I know I need to do to get me there. Yeah. I love, so what you said with aligning with the person I want to be, that really resonates for me. I question too, is this a problem? But I finally came to the conclusion that if it's a problem for me, then it's a problem. If it's not getting me to being the human being I want to be, then it's a problem. And same with you. I was like, well, why not just like, look at this as an experiment. Like, let's just try to cut it out. Maybe life won't be that much better. And people say it, but I'm like, sure it is. You know, like my brain was still in that, like, sure. It's a lot better without alcohol. Um, And so then I took almost an entire year off and I was like, oh, 
okay, there's parts that are better, but there were also parts that were really, really hard that I was running away from with the alcohol. So I had to really address those things. So can you tell me a bit about that journey? I imagine you had a similar experience. Oh my gosh. They, yeah, they, I don't know who would have prepared me, but they did not prepare me, whoever (laughs) they are. Um, (laughs) I, when I gave it up, I, I did before, before I made the final decision, I think it was something that I had been noodling over for a while. It was something that I felt like was holding me back. And it wasn't just the July 4th weekend that, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's back. There were several things that made me question whether or not this was a good thing for me. Um, and I had talked to a lot of people. I talked to my mentor, Alex, and she had been sober for about a year, year and a half at that time. And I had talked to my chiropractor, Jordan Burns at the time. And I asked a, a bunch of questions like, okay, what do you do when you go to the beach? What do you go? What do you do when you go to a wedding? What do you do when you go to a happy hour? I had no idea how to function in these situations because I'd never been sober in these situations before. Sure. Maybe I went to a happy hour once and like got a water, but it was, it was because, you know, I had to drive three hours right after it wasn't because I was consciously making the choice to not drink. So there was a lot that I had to deal with once I finally made that decision. And, um, there were a couple things that hit me pretty hard. One was the sweet cravings. I was not a sweets person. Like in my head, I, I I didn't like sweets, but as soon as I stopped drinking, oh my gosh, all I wanted was sweets and chocolate and all the candy. And so that was one thing that I realized like, oh my gosh, I was getting a lot of sugar from alcohol. And now that that sugar source is not there, it's clearly having an effect on my body. So I had to curb those sugar cravings and deal with that which is minor, right? Not a big deal. Um, ate a lot of fruit. (laughs) And then, um, the other thing was the social anxiety that I felt. I think that was probably the hardest part of this whole process was because I was drinking to cope with the social anxiety that I had. And I never knew I had social anxiety. I'm, I'm an extrovert. You know, I, I get along with a lot of people and I have no problem going into social situations, but I was using alcohol as my crutch and my security blanket. And so when I didn't have that anymore, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm exposed. I have to be my normal self. And I don't know if people are going to like me. I don't know if I'm going to be fun. You know, I was fun, Kylie, when I had alcohol that gave me the courage and the confidence. And now that I don't have alcohol, it's like, shoot, now I have to be confident on my own and I have to have courage on my own. And man, that's a lot. And I have to deal with these situations with a clear mind. And I, there were a lot of bridges I'd never crossed before until that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, social anxiety was one of my big things that I just didn't know I had because outside of pregnancy, I had drank all my adult life. So everywhere I went, it was like a part of what I did. And so for me, it was like, I just don't want this to be center stage. Like if it's there and I choose to have a drink somewhere, it's going to be on my terms. It's not going to be just a given that I'm going to go and have drinks everywhere I go. So the social anxiety was a big thing for me. I'm an introvert. So I would say naturally an introvert. 
Um, when I don't drink, I actually feel like I have much better conversations. I'm more confident in those conversations. It's the leading up to, you know, it's that like the, the pre going to the event. And then once I get warmed up, then I'm totally fine. But that was hard too. And so, yeah, I was same as you, I was asking a lot of questions of people like, what do you do when you go to the beach? <laughs> um, and then I discovered alcohol-free options and I'm like, oh, well, there's a lot of options out there. And most restaurants, I mean, I just came back from vacation. Most everywhere we were at had a spiritless or alcohol-free option that was actually decent. It wasn't like a Shirley Temple. Like they actually put some time and energy into it. And so you're like, wow, that's really cool to see all of that. My husband and I went to Total Wine and got some alcohol-free options, you know, so we had something to, you know, do at the pool and, you know, whatever, if we were just, you know, wanted to just have a little uh, something special. So I think there's something with the reward of it. And I don't know if this, if this is something you've looked at, but when you think of like the sugar part of it too, I mean, I think there's a like physiology behind why we crave sugar when we stop drinking alcohol for sure. But I also think there's this reward that we're looking for. Like at the end of a hard day, you know, we're kind of trained to believe that like the reward is we can open the bottle of wine and finally relax, you know? And so if we don't have that, then what's going to be our new reward system. So when I coach clients through this and they do my program, we talk a lot about creating new reward systems for yourself. Is that something that you have reflected on or that you've created those new reward systems? I think Yes, I, I would say I try to, I go into every situation prepared. So the key to what I found success in, in my journey was just always thinking ahead and visualizing the situations that I would be in and preparing either my drinks ahead of time. So when I went to my college roommate's lake house up in Michigan, I packed my Yeti full of non-alcoholic options. And I brought koozies and I covered up whatever I was drinking with a koozie so that nobody asked me what I was drinking. I just looked like a normal person who was participating in the weekend, just like everybody else. And no one, no one asked me a thing. I didn't have to tell anybody I wasn't drinking. Nobody knew until the end of the weekend that I'd been sober the entire time. Yeah. And it was great because I realized like people don't actually care. Like, it, the funny thing is we have it so built up in our head that everybody's going to care that I'm not drinking. No one gives a shit. <laughs> right. And if they do, it's because they're projecting and it's okay. Right. Like somebody has a problem that I'm not drinking. I have to ask myself, like, what, what about this is triggering this response in them? Because it might be that they have their own insecurity. A lot of times the response I would get would be like, oh, well, I don't drink that much. I'm like, I'm not here to judge you. You don't have to justify your alcohol consumption to me. It's yourself that you have to talk to at the end of the day and look in the mirror at and talk to about your alcohol consumption. It's not me. I don't care what you do. Um, just like you probably don't care what I do, right? Like we are in charge of our own body. I'm not living your hangover you're living your own hangover out. And if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like whatever's going to make you happy or make you think you're happy, because that's really what alcohol was for me. It made me think I was happier. But once I realized, like, for example, you know what you said about popping open the bottle of wine, let's say I'm at a happy hour, business happy hour, networking, which is a frequent thing. And my normal tendency is to go in, go to the bar, I get a drink so then I can assess the situation and figure out, do I know someone here? Who am I going to talk to? 
let the awkward conversations begin. And what I realized is, yeah, I'm not getting an alcoholic drink, but what I'm doing is still the same process. You're taking in a new environment, which takes a minute, right, to acclimate to any new environment. So that's why we get anxiety naturally when we go into a happy hour. Most people do to some degree. And so you're going in and you're acclimating to the environment. The drink is just something that's that's happening in the sequence of events that helps you acclimate to the environment. It's actually not the source of you feeling more comfortable. It's because you've gotten used to the new environment and now you can take a breath and like you feel more comfortable because you've been there for a minute and you've surveyed the scene and you feel like you've got a good understanding of who's there and where you need to go. Um, so I realized like the alcohol wasn't, helping me in the process. It was, it was making me feel better for maybe a moment, but it was all just a placebo effect because I was naturally just getting more comfortable in this new environment. Yeah. And then same thing for like after work, if I come home and you know, my normal tendency is to pop open a bottle of wine and drink a glass of wine to unwind at the end of a stressful work day. All I was doing was putting LaCroix in a wine glass and going through the same motions doesn't matter the liquid that's in the glass because the wine takes a while before you even feel anything anyway especially if you've built up a tolerance you may have to take like two or three glasses of wine before you're actually feeling a buzz so it's not the wine itself that's that's helping you relax it's the fact that you are giving yourself permission to chill out yeah it doesn't really matter what drink is in your cup you still are going through the same process it's almost like the ritual of pouring the liquid into the glass, taking the first sip and telling yourself, okay, the day's over. Yeah. That was a huge shift for me to discover that of like, I just missed the ritual. I can still have the ritual just without the alcohol. It turns out I actually really just like drinking liquid. (laughs) I drink a lot of liquid in general. So I'm just like, I just like drinking liquid. So like, whatever Uh it is, do I want it to be tasty? Sure. You know, like I don't want it to be nasty tasting, but it's like, yeah, I just like to drink a lot of liquid you know, as you were talking about walking into the social environment, it just made me think of like muscle memory. Like, it's almost like I wanted something to do with my hands. So if I had a drink, I had something to do with my hands. If I had a little straw, I could stir it around. If there was an awkward pause, I could take a drink, you know? So it's like, that makes so much sense to me and not really something I've thought that much about in the social environment, but that makes so much sense to me. Yeah. And I love that. You can get a club soda in a lime anywhere, like anywhere that's got a bar. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think, um, I do think that the hardest part of all of it was facing my emotions throughout that process and realizing, oh my gosh, I do, I do worry about what other people think here. I was thinking, I just didn't care what other people think. No, I actually do. And now I have to face that. And now I have to work through it. And now I'm really on the other side of not caring what people think of me. Um, because it, it doesn't matter, you know, I, and I think to go back to your point about the reward system and treating yourself or, you know, the dopamine hit that you get from the glass of wine at the end of a long day. What I found was I was not as interested about the dopamine hits as I was about the serotonin benefits of just being happier in life because I'm not hungover. So I don't ever feel like my body hates me and I'm dying, you know, (laughs) in the middle of an awful hangover, you're just like, oh my God, 
what did I do to myself? You know, and I've had some pretty awful hangovers where I couldn't stop puking or I couldn't even move. Like standing up was just, you know, miserable. And I I know I will never go back to those feelings because it's self-induced, right? And I think the the benefits of not drinking is what can it gave me the dopamine that, you know, I once looked for in alcohol, but in this in this context, it was more so I'm happier and the serotonin that was coming from having all this clarity and seeing all this success in my life because I lost 20 pounds immediately. Like not drinking made me lose 20 pounds. So if you're struggling with weight loss and you're still drinking, let me tell you, there's a magic pill and it's called just sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. And I lost 20 pounds like right away. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. (laughs) That was super great. And then it continued to just fuel my desire to be in the gym. I want to be in the gym more because I'm not waking up sluggish or tired or anything like that. And I'm super motivated now to get into the gym consistently. And, you know, now I want to eat better. And it was just this trickle effect of, um, you know, this one change made a lot of other positive changes happen in my life. And um, I can tell you, I'm just more at peace. I feel far less stressed than I ever have. And I've taken on arguably more stress over the last eight months <laughs> in starting a business of my own. And so um, feeling like my life is stress-free, that is solely due to the fact that I haven't been drinking. Yeah. Well, and we just don't live in a world that is one where we're going to have no stress, you know? So it's like, I think that's what I was seeking is like this stress free, you know, no overwhelm ever peace filled life. And, you know, it was like, okay, but I'm making it so much harder with alcohol because it makes everything seem so much harder. (laughs) So you mentioned the professional shift and starting a business. Do you attribute that to not drinking alcohol. I mean, what, that's a brave step to make. And so, you know, for me personally, I feel like I'm so much braver without alcohol, which I thought the opposite was true when I was drinking, which is so fascinating to me, how we're kind of sold these lies and we just believe them. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, like, how did that impact your decision to sort of transition into your own business and how has that benefited you? The one, The one big difference in me drinking and not drinking, when I was drinking, it felt like a fog, you know, that my brain was constantly in a fog. And I did not realize this when I was in the fog. You cannot see the fog when you're in it. And being on the other side of it where you're not drinking, you don't realize that that fog was there. And so now with absolute clarity, It's like all the decisions you make are faster. You start manifesting things quicker. You know, the life you want becomes the life you have a lot, a lot faster. Um, I can't say enough about the clarity that comes from sobriety. And I, I truly would never have believed this or understood it until I've gone through it. So if you're thinking, you know, as you listen to this, that, like that doesn't seem right. I would encourage you to just go 30 days without alcohol. And Rachel, I think you have a 30 day program, don't you? So I have a 14 day break from booze and then I have a 90 day program. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So either 14 days, I would say go 90 or don't go. Yeah. Yeah. 
I felt like I had to, the reason why I didn't do the 30 day program is because I felt like I needed about 90 days to really prove it to myself. Cause that's all I was doing. Like people could have told me they, you know, people tell me stuff all the time and I'm like, yeah, right. You know, and then I go and actually prove it to myself and I'm like, okay, that's really interesting. I proved it to myself through lab work, through my doctor where I'm like, okay, I'll imagine that all I'm so much healthier. Like I have hard and fast numbers in front of, of me. Oh, yeah. I use the aura ring just to track sleep. If I have one drink, my sleep is my sleep score is lower. It's so it's so it's so decent. It's like at an 87, but I'm like like at a 96 when I don't drink anything. So I'm like, okay, I've got some data here, not only just from how my body's feeling, which I'm working on trusting her much more and trusting my own intuition, which I had no intuition when I was drinking all the time. So like they just didn't exist. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I think sometimes you just like, like look at it as an, an experiment, like try it and see. And then if you can come back and tell me like, it did not make my life any better after 90 days. Cool. Like move on. Like it's only 90 days out of your whole entire big, huge life. Let's just try it. You know? So that's yeah. kind of always my, my, uh, motto when I'm talking to clients, because that was what gave me permission. Like, I'm just going to try this thing. I didn't have any, like, I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life. I didn't have that when I took a break. Um, but I took the break and I really started liking it. And then I was like, oh, if I could take a break through the holidays, because I started November 1st of 2020, I'm like, I, like, wow, that would be really amazing. That would be a really hard thing to do. And if I can get through that and prove that to myself, then, you know, like what else could I do? And, you know, could I go on vacations and I've done, you know, several sober vacations that have been lovely. I have all the memories from all those vacations. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I do want to ask you just because it's like, it can sound really easy when we talk to people like, I'm like, oh yeah, November 1st, 2020, I decided to not drink alcohol and had almost a whole year off of alcohol. Well, like it, it wasn't quite that easy. And there were times where it was like, well, you know, like maybe I want to incorporate some alcohol back into my life. And I have, so I call myself soberish for a reason. Um, but I haven't been hung over in two and a half years, which is my goal. Like my goal is like, I don't want to be impacted by the effects of alcohol. So I'm very mindful about it. So when I do have a drink, I'm, I'm like always measuring how am I feeling this in my body? Even if it's half of the drink, I'm done. You know, like I'm done. We're done with that. I'm switching to something alcohol free. So I'm just kind of curious if, if that has been a similar journey or you quit cold turkey and you're like, I'm done with this. I'm never doing this again. Yeah. So I, I had no, again, I had no like big picture goal in mind when I set out to just stop my alcohol consumption it was in my mind for a period of time, period of time being unknown. Um, but I, I went a month and then I was like, all right, I could go three months. And so I went three months and then I was like, well, I could go six months at this point. It's just double what I just did. And that was not that bad. And so I hit six months and before you knew it, I hit one year and on my one year, I was like, all right, I did a year. I'm going to see if I could, if I could try drinking again, because part of it was I needed to trust myself not to overdo it. And so I let myself have a margarita. The margarita tasted awful. So, so I, I, I didn't do any more margaritas. Um, another event, I had a hard seltzer before a concert. And then everybody was like, oh, Kylie can drive. She's not really drinking. So I'd had, I think, two seltzers in my system at that time, and I immediately started panicking, and the anxiety set in, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be drunk, and I'm going to wrap this car around a tree, and this is going to be a total disaster, and I immediately just stopped drinking and was like, okay, 
drinking is now causing me paranoia. <laughs> so that's not going to go well. I tried to have a glass of wine at dinner and I didn't like the wine. Like I truly had rewired my brain to not want the liquid anymore. And yeah. so the few times that I did try to drink again, I didn't enjoy it. I another time after that one glass of wine, I got a headache. So I'm like, okay, this is awful. I'm already feeling the effects of it. And it was much quicker than it ever had been in the past. I didn't get a headache after one glass of wine. That was crazy. So I just told myself, you know, this is great. I, I'm reserving the choice. If I want to have a drink, like I had a um, brandy Manhattan for my birthday while I was up in Wisconsin. And I really enjoyed that drink. And that yeah. was the one drink that I've had that I, I actually liked and wasn't like, eh, I really wish I hadn't had that. That yeah. was maybe the one drink. And um, I've not been drunk. I've not had more than a couple drinks um, at any one time. And I haven't drank since my birthday, which was six months ago. So, I mean, it's not something I even think about anymore. Like, it's not something that I want. Um, and there's so many non-alcoholic options out there that I really enjoy drinking. And it's fun for me to experiment, like, what what might taste good as far as a non-alcoholic option and, um, I, I just, you know, right now I, I'm not saying I can't have alcohol, but I don't want it. And so yeah. I haven't had a drink in six months. And then the few times I did try to drink, it just, it wasn't enjoyable for me anymore. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful space to be in. And I think that some of that sort of experimentation really is an important step. If you can, I don't believe that's for everyone, <laughs> Um, but I believe in that gray area space of drinking where we were, I think it's a really important step to say, okay, let's, let's really see where my limits are. You know, I, I love IPAs. I used to drink a lot of IPAs. And so I, there's some great alcohol-free IPAs. Like I cannot tell a difference. So like right. I'm in my pool in the summer with my little alcohol-free IPA. And I'm like, this is it. Like, this is great. I, you know, I feel great about this. So, you know, for me, I didn't want to white knuckle through it. And it sounds like you've gotten on the other side of that. Cause it's like, I just don't want to be craving this thing so much that it's like all I can think about all the time. I want to actually solve for the urge for drinking or the desire to drink. That's right. And that was a huge shift for me too. When I started to just shift that mindset into like, oh, I used to see this as so valuable. And now this isn't adding any value in my life. How interesting, you know, like. You know, so I think there's just a lot of belief systems and mindset shifts we have to make, which our culture tries to shove really hard down our throat. And so once you're awake to that, it's really interesting just to kind of hear people talk about alcohol, see it on TV shows. You know, like I was watching a show, I was kind of binge watching it while on the treadmill and these women drink all the time. I mean, they drink wine all the time. I'm like, how are they getting this much done? There's no way they are this productive drinking bottles of wine every single night. Like I'm not buying it. Right. So, you know, we kind of get sold that in media and just even like, oh, it's fun to drink. You have to have alcohol if you're going to have fun. If you're going to go to a party, alcohol has to be a part of it. So there were just so many things that I just started questioning myself on and not believing what our culture serves us. Yep. Um, I think the socialization piece is still the hardest part for me because it feels like I want to fit in. I think we all do. I found more spaces I belong in for sure. And I don't go to places where I feel like I have to fit in for the most part. I'm just like, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to go to that thing. I can say no to that. Um, and not drinking has helped me 
uh, delineate what's what, like, would, what is, what do I actually want to go to? And what did I never want to go to in the first place? And that's why I needed to drink. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great realization. And I would say I went through probably a very similar process where I started questioning, you know, the people who had an issue or, or maybe questioned me, um, should I care what they think? Because at the end of the day, if they're not more successful at life than me, like, should I really be valuing their opinion that much? You know, I, I, if, if, if I'm taking advice, it's from somebody I want to be like, and I realize that the opinions of people who I don't know, you know, I've had servers. Um, I've, I've said at a bar, I, I don't drink what non-alcohol options you have. And they've said, Oh, by choice. Yep. Or I've had somebody ask me, I've had multiple people ask me if I'm pregnant. No, you don't have to be pregnant to not drink. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I'm too too old for that one now. People are like, (laughs) man, she can't be pregnant. But yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one for, for, you know, people within that space. It's so fascinating that people like have to know like that information. It's like, yeah, it's, it is really interesting. So yeah. yeah. And it's funny because all of my close friends and family have been super supportive. And if anything, they'll come to my rescue and they'll defend me before I get a chance to defend myself in social <laughs> situations. Like my sister, um, I was being questioned by one of my parents' friends and she was like, my sister doesn't drink. And she got very like vocally defensive for me. And he was like, well, if you don't drink, we couldn't be friends. And I was like, you're right. We wouldn't. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. And when I was drinking, I would have said that about somebody that didn't drink. Like I used to say all the time, I don't trust a person that wouldn't drink. <laughs> like the fact that I used to think that or say that is so interesting to me. So yeah, I've had so many wonderful conversations with people based on just this alone, like me talking about it more publicly, publicly. And then I meet somebody and they're like, oh yeah, I'm similar to you. Like kind of just sober, curious, curious what less alcohol could look like. I'm coming up on my first vacation without alcohol. And I'm like, you got this. It's actually really empowering to come home from a vacation and not have all the anxiety that I used to experience. I was just, I flew home this morning from Florida and I was just thinking about that where I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have been just racked with anxiety of all the things I got to catch up on now and work and blah, 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 like back to, you know, and like, I didn't have any of that experience at all. So it was so nice to come home and like sit down and be ready to work and not be like just racked with anxiety and shame about how much I drank and still hung over and all those things. So there's, yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're right. This is all an experiment. And what you're trying to do is just create new associations in your brain. Alcohol does not equal fun. And I've made that new association in my brain where sober equals clarity. Clarity is fun for me. Same. Oh my gosh. Yes. I I hear you. What about your confidence? Do you feel like it's just skyrocketed your confidence? I talk about this all the time. Completely. I I feel like a a brand new person. And for you, like when you had mentioned, um, we had talked earlier and you had mentioned that for you, like the last kind of developmental piece for you was this, this sobriety path. And for me, the last developmental piece for me before I felt like I was like a solid whole human was developing my confidence because I was putting my confidence in the hands of all these external factors, you know, a boss giving me a promotion or a raise or, um, you know, getting recognized publicly for some achievement or, 
um, you know, participating in a CrossFit competition or whatever it may be. All of these things that I had thought were, were going to be confidence boosters, none of them were except for me just feeling more comfortable with who I am because I'm so clear on it. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and I couldn't have gotten there without giving up alcohol because it was creating that fog in my brain. And I, I couldn't fully develop my self-awareness. I couldn't fully um, develop positive habits with this being a negative habit that I was carrying around all the time. Yeah, agreed. So I think there's such a connection with self-worth. Like when we can develop that self-worth, I talk a lot about self-compassion within my program because I think that's a huge challenge, especially for a lot of women. We are tough on ourselves. I mean, our inner critic is loud and we're nasty. And that is something that we have to address in order to get on the other side of really any challenge, but particularly I think this challenge for sure. Yep. So you mentioned EQ for those yeah. of you that don't know the emotional quotient. So you can certainly tell, you know, more about that, but that's been a huge part of my journey too, is just that emotional intelligence and building that for myself. I really had a very low emotional intelligence for a long, long, long time. And that was a recognition through the Enneagram that I really needed to strengthen that skill. Like that was something I just shut off completely. So when you were talking about just like, you like the, the more positive emotions, like those, you know, like I want to experience those. What I think people miss is that alcohol dulls the, 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 you know, more negative emotions or negatively perceived emotions for sure. It can shut those off in a second. Um, you get that dopamine kick and you're like, cool, I'm no longer angry, but what it also dolls is all the positive emotions. And so that was something that was such a huge recognition for me where I'm like, I'm experiencing just more genuine joy and peace and happiness. And I think we're all searching for more and more of that. And I had dulled it for so long with regular use of alcohol. So it's so like colors look different to me when I'm not regularly drinking. I mean, everything is different. So I mean, do you work with clients on that space? Not necessarily with just alcohol, but like, Hey, like, let's really focus in on the emotional intelligence here. And how have you seen people grow through that? Yeah, I would say the biggest part of what I learned about myself. Um, I have a couple clients that I talk to about this or that are, um, recovering alcoholics, which I think it's great. Cause we have that, you know, common bond, um, yeah. And we can talk openly about alcohol, which is great. I would say for my own journey with alcohol, I was stuffing emotions down in me and just bottling them up to not try and deal with them. And once I didn't have alcohol as my way to release, um, I was stuck with these, these bottles of emotions and finally had to pop them open and deal with them. And oh my gosh, did I learn a lot about myself in that process in processing new situations, old situations that I had been in, um, even dating. Holy cow, dating sober. We could probably have a whole nother podcast on that because yeah. <laughs> what a difference. Yeah. You know, I had been single for two and a half years and um, dating while drinking completely clouds your judgment of the people that you are pursuing. And I feel like with sobriety came neutrality and I stopped getting attached to the idea of what I wanted these people to be or 
you know, the fun that I was having while drunk, because I can have fun with anybody while I'm drinking. It doesn't, you don't have to be the greatest person <laughs> in the world for me to like you while I'm drinking. My judgment is not a hundred percent. So I tend to like just about everybody. Um, and the filter is, is clear and fully functioning when you're sober. So, um, you know, dating was an emotional process, but I was able to like move on quickly when things wouldn't work out and found a boyfriend who doesn't drink, which is awesome. So Imagine that. I know, right. We attract what we are. Law of attraction is, is a real thing. And so I attracted a guy that doesn't drink and is super disciplined and he's a physical strength coach. I'm a mental <laughs> coach. Oh mental gosh. strength coach so we go really nicely hand in hand and we can hold each other accountable and it's just so great being in a relationship where alcohol is not at the center of it oh, I'm glad you brought that up it's been a long time since I've been on a date I've been married for 14 years so <laughs> um, but I do hear a lot of clients that really struggle with that either after divorce or they're you know young never been married and they're just still in that dating scene I think it all goes back to that self-worth conversation again where it's like it sounds like you felt worthy of somebody that was wonderful and a great fit for you, but you didn't know what that was when you were drinking and, you know, like you didn't even know what that looked like for you. And now like, it's like, no, I deserve this. I deserve to have someone that's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. And that self-worth is, is absolutely associated with emotional intelligence. Self-regard sure. is one of the 15 EQ skills that the EQI model lays out. And so it's, it's foundational. We have to have we have to believe in our own worth before we can expect others to believe in what we're worth too. Yes. Yeah, totally agree. Well, our work has so much alignment and we do things just a little bit, you know, we have our own little, uh, little niches that we're in, but I love the work you're doing. Keep doing it. You're helping tons of people, which as you and I both know, there's no shortage of people that need and want help out there in order yeah. to be just there better, like you said, being in alignment with who you want to be as a human. I mean, I feel like that's got to be the title of this podcast because I just loved the way you turned that. Um, so before we wrap up, I'm just curious, what guidance would you give somebody that's maybe listening to this early on in the journey? Or maybe they're just like, I'm just watching. I'm a little curious about this thing. People are talking about it a lot more. What guidance or advice or coaching would you give to someone that's that's interested in this? I would say two things. And I want to go back to you saying this is a science experiment. 100% agree. I looked at it as I'm testing my variables. So each event, like if you give in to drinking and you've said to yourself, I'm, I'm going to not drink, but then you drank, that's okay. Let's look at the variable or what triggered that decision so that we can isolate it and then we can go in better prepared or come up with a game plan of how you tackle that when it happens again because it will inevitably right we go through different events at all times in life and we're sometimes equipped to handle it sometimes not and so it's not about judging yourself when you slip up or make a mistake it's about isolating the variables and then adding in some extra controls so that you know um, going in next time around, you have a plan in place and you, you've got a strategy. Um, and the other thing that I would say, you mentioned just trying. I think of it as training. 
we are training our bodies to get used to not deferring to alcohol for the answer or for the courage or for the taking the edge off, right? We're training. So when I think of trying, our brain recognizes that from an NLP standpoint, which is neuro-linguistic programming, it's how our brain recognizes language. And when we say the word try, it automatically triggers our brain to think fail. Because we're already looking for the excuses as to why, you know, I'll try. But like, when you say I'll try, you're already expecting failure to be the result. So when we say, yeah, I'll train for it. I'm training to not drink. I would shift your perspective to say, I'm training. So in that training, I'm on my own journey. My journey is not going to be the same as anyone else's journey. So you have to figure out what works for you. You know, you are in your program, Rachel, I'm sure you've got a lot of tools and and, um, strategies to help people, but ultimately they have to be their own advocate and their own best coach and recognize, you know, I did that well. Or I didn't do that so well. And now I need help figuring out how I can do it better next time. And it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, I I may have gone a year without drinking, but that's my, my extreme circumstance. Like I'm an all or nothing kind of person. And if I focus and fixate on something, I will do it. But I also have ADHD, which helps in that. But it also hurts me in other areas. So um you know, I have to recognize that my journey is not the same as anybody else's journey. And so I would encourage everybody to take a step, just start training and start taking steps, small steps towards progress. And that progress will fuel, that will give you dopamine hits that, that will fuel your motivation to continue. Yeah, I totally agree. I think a big part of it is getting out of shaming and judging ourselves and into just curiosity. Like, I wonder why Mm -hmm. I had two drinks when I said I wasn't going to. That's really interesting. Who was I with? Or what was the, you know, what was the trigger for why did I have that first drink? What, What was that about? So I love that. Like, I love the variables, controls, all that stuff. Um, one of my mantras early on was I am the type of woman that keeps her commitments to herself. Because so often we like make commitments to everyone else. I wouldn't let other people down. I would do the things I told them I was going to do, but I would let myself down all the time. And that was a huge part of my journey to say, I am no longer doing that. Like that is not something I'm even trying to do. I am not the type of woman that makes a commitment and lets herself down. Period. The end. So that was really helpful for me because as I was kind of like, you know, well, I don't know, maybe I'll have a drink tonight or maybe I'll plan my drinks or maybe I'll do these things. I'm like, no, I said I was not drinking tonight and I'm honoring that commitment to myself because I love myself enough to do it. I love that. It's a huge part of the journey, I think, is a shift that mindset. And like, to your point, just not say like, I'm just going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can maybe do 30 days without alcohol. Like, no, I'm going to do 30 days without alcohol, period. Right. Because I'm training for something better. Yeah. 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 And if, if let's say you have one drink in that 30 day period, that's still 29 days. You didn't drink 29 out of 30 is an A for sure. I keep telling clients that as they're like, Oh my gosh, I had, I said, I was gonna have one glass of wine and I had two glasses of wine. I'm like, so what? Like no one died. So what? Like, let's just be curious about that experience. And maybe it doesn't have to mean more than it does. Yeah. You're still getting an A we're good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I had five days out of 2022 where I had alcohol 
great. I think you 300, are 360 yes. at 365. I will take that all day. Are winning. Yes, absolutely. All for progress over perfection. I can also be an all or nothing person. So, you know, if I have that one time where I'm like, oh my gosh, I had a drink. Like, I don't need to feel ashamed of that. I, I did what I set out to do, which was to not be affected by alcohol. So it's like, okay, that one drink didn't do any, like that didn't do anything. So, you know, yeah. Oh my gosh. So much good conversation. We could probably talk for 20 episodes on all of this, but I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing more of your story. Sounds like we have a lot of similarities, you know, some differences, but you know, when I talk to people about this subject, it seems like we all kind of have this similar alignment with it. There are definitely some common threads and I appreciate you having me on here. I think the more we can talk about it, the more we can help people think through their decisions and ideally get on a path that they're excited and happy about. Yeah. Well, what's funny is I was a little afraid to share this a few years ago because I was like, well, gosh, like I do, you know, executive coaching and team development with people like think this is too personal to be sharing. I found nothing but the exact opposite to be true. I've had people more drawn to me because of my ability to be vulnerable. I've had more genuine conversations. My business is thriving. I like the opposite was true for me. So I think my piece of advice for people is like, whether it's this topic or another topic, like be willing to be vulnerable. Like it's okay. People are drawn to it. They love it. It's the first thing they want to see out of another human being and the thing they're most scared of. So, you know, it's like, we're so afraid of it and it's what we want from everyone else. Like you, it's really hard to not connect with somebody when they're being vulnerable and being really authentic and honest with that, with us, you know? So anyway, that's, that's an interesting shift for me to be like, okay, so now if I've done this, I'll tell everybody everything, you know? So obviously I don't share everything with everyone, but you know, it's like, I just feel like that vulnerability piece is such a hurdle for me to get over. I was not raised in a generation that that really did that and certainly didn't come from parents that were like, yes, be vulnerable. Tell everyone that, you know, drinking might be a problem for you, you know? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing so that we can start to normalize this healthy lifestyle and better well, options so that people same. know that better options even exist. Agreed. Yes. And maybe there's an option that they weren't aware of. Like maybe it doesn't have to be all or nothing, or maybe there is this sort of uh, opportunity to create your own option, right. With your own journey and growth and reflection. So yeah, so much there. Well, thank you for the work you're doing. I appreciate you sharing your story and I know we'll be in touch soon. This is our, this is our new connection point. So I'm sure we'll see each other around um, and stay connected. Sounds good. Thanks, Rachel. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.